The following program discusses medical information that is general in nature and not intended to serve as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues you may be experiencing. Welcome to episode number four of Nice Living with Dr. Cameron, a podcast dedicated to shedding light on many health and wellness-related topics. I'm your co-host, Amy Bowen, and our show's namesake and host, Dr. Cameron Gadarzi of Scarless Vein Care, is one of the top experts in the nation when it comes to the treatment of varicose veins and spider veins. So in these initial episodes, we're leveraging his expertise to dig deeper into various aspects in the world of vein disease. In part one of our vein disease series, Dr. Cameron gives an overview of the vascular system's form and function and discusses how risk factors such as genetics and lifestyle, even profession, can influence your chance of developing varicose veins, spider veins, and venous insufficiency. In part two, we took a closer look at the symptoms of vein disease and when it could be time to seek help from a physician. So give those previous episodes a listen if you haven't caught them yet. And today, we're talking about what to look for in a doctor when seeking treatment, and also how modern vein treatment options are improving the lives of patients all around the world. So let's get right to it. Dr. Cameron, welcome. Uh, Thanks, Amy. So in our last episode, you talked about how important it is for folks who are experiencing signs and symptoms of vein disease, just anywhere from those visual swelling to restless legs, night cramps, uh, just what's that threshold? When should they go see a doctor to get checked out? So naturally, the next question is, who should patients go see to have their veins treated, and what should they look for in a provider? Well, um, to me, surgery is a little bit like flying. You know, the more hours you have under your belt, the better pilot than most people are. And of course, that doesn't necessarily follow that way. But I would definitely, two things I would be looking for if I went to um, have my veins done. Number one is, um, what are the uh, physicians' qualifications? You know, are they um, somebody who deal with venous disease, vascular surgery, or are they family practice, uh, or maybe you know anesthetist or ER doctor? Because I think, you know, I know how many years we we spend in a school, you know, learning, and uh, you know, surgery. You just don't come in and become a surgeon. You have to learn the anatomy. You got to understand the body healing and that kind of thing. So I would personally, I would be looking for a surgeon to do my procedure. Now, I would also look at their experience. Is it uh, how many years have they been doing it? How many cases have they done? What kind of results have they had? And most physicians are pretty honest and tell you what kind of results they've had. And I would uh, if, uh, even try to find a few people who have been treated by that doctor and see what kind of results they've had and what kind of long-term results they've had. Because when you take care of these veins, initially everybody feels better. But what happens six months down the line or three months down the line? So I would look at that. And then, of course, uh, one could look, you know, uh, do they spend majority of their time taking care of venous disease or do they do one or two veins here and the rest of the time they're doing a gallbladder or hernia or something else? Because uh, I really believe with veins you really got to make it your focus. You can't just dab into it. And um, you do need good ultrasound tags. Uh, hopefully somebody who's got a specialty in vascular ultrasound so they can fully understand the disease and look for complications. And uh, I believe they need to have a good insurance clerk who could advise, you know, what insurance companies do they pay for it, not pay for it. 
um, you need uh, an office where you feel comfortable when you walk in. You find that you know people are uh, really see you as uh, uh, you know they're they're happy to see you. They're excited that you are there. They're going to take care of you because you don't want to walk into a doctor's office when you feel unwanted or you feel you're uh, appearing like a nuisance. And availability that they are there for you if you have any questions, if you ever come back or you call them, uh, are they there to? to answer your question. So these are the things I would be looking for. Now, of course, there's a accreditation centers, you know, there's a vein center accreditation, and that's what they're, uh, they look at those things and make sure that, so if you're an accredited center, usually means you have met, you know, certain guidelines. And, and if you apply for accreditation, it also means that you're serious about what you do. So these are the things, you know, I would be looking for uh, in, in having my veins treated. Now, Dr. Cameron, we've talked about this just a little bit in previous episodes, but um, you know, when it comes to vein treatment today, not only are there options, but there's really been quite an evolution in the process where much of it can now be done in the office setting, but it didn't start that way by any means. Uh, so vein operations of the past, that was really a major surgery. Oh, really? It was uh, the operation. I actually looked it up. I think it was around 1917 when it was designed. So, I mean, how many procedures do we still do which belongs through that era. That operation was the only thing we could really offer. I mean, uh, it, it was very barbaric, 40% recurrence rate. So vein stripping was, you know, if the vein was bad, just cut it out, take it out. And that went on forever until roughly probably about 30 years ago, people tried to see, okay, if these veins are bad, why do they get bad? It's because the valve gives. So let's fix the valves. And although there are people are still trying to do that, it wasn't particularly successful. Then we started using veins and transplant veins, find a normal vein, and then stitch it to the bad vein and hope that the valves in the normal vein would allow the blood to flow properly. That wasn't very successful. All the way down to tie off the vein in the groin, and uh, that didn't do very well because then blood managed to get through from other areas and the areas where you're tied would open up on its own. So that kind of, uh, I would call it silly surgery, continued for a long time. They even have little, uh, like a heart valve, they have little tiny valves that you can put inside the veins. They're all experimental and most of them are just curiosity um, more than anything and usually just one chapter dedicated in a 500-page book uh, about about that, but uh, laser really revolutionized. I think between laser and radio frequency, and I brought that art to Wilmington, North Carolina. I know that some people are doing other techniques, but not not laser. I, the best of my knowledge, but I'm pretty convinced that was the case. Uh, essentially, what you're doing uh, it is what we call endovascular surgery. So instead of cutting, you just get a very small opening the vein, just put the IV inside the vein, and then um, you can go in and just cauterize the vein. And uh, when the dye the lasers came out, uh, they really revolutionized that you could do it. Radio frequency similarly you know, helped close that. We didn't know how on earth we were going to look at this laser. I mean, you need the imaging technique is inside the body, it's not outside the body. So ultrasounds became 
you know, quite good at the time. So uh, the resolution was good enough that we could literally, you know, see the veins, what we we're doing with an ultrasound as opposed to x-rays. So that allowed us bring these things from hospital right to your office and just do it as, uh, you know, with a little numbing medicine. And like everything else, uh, the ultrasounds got better, lasers got better, our techniques got better, uh, the instrumentation got better. So there is a lot of technology out there. The two which has which have really uh, obtained traction is uh, radio frequency and laser. I personally like prefer laser because it's a smaller catheter and it seems to do a pretty good job. But remember, these are just tools. So not one tool applies to everything. In fact, you don't want to go to a one-trick pony <laughs> as a doctor. You want to, uh, the, the disease should decide what kind of tool they utilize. Now, Dr. Cameron, you yourself have done literally thousands of treatments with these newer vein treatment methodologies. Can you talk to us a little bit about what types of results patients are seeing? I don't know how many thousand, but a lot of thousands uh, of, of veins that I've treated with uh, longevity has been great. 17 years later, still doing well. Complications rate are pretty much non-existent. So it's really been very rewarding. So uh, venous disease is pretty, you know, bad disease. It causes, uh, it can cause cramps. Sometimes it gets so bad it wakes you up at night. Um, they can get uh, ulcers on their leg. They can get what we call venous dermatitis where the skin gets damaged and they have a rash. Uh, you can bleed. They can bleed from these veins. Uh, you can have swelling. I mean, I've had patients that once we operated on them, they went down one or two shoe sizes. Uh, the uh, the fact that you're getting rid of the bad veins, it stops uh, the iron deposit in the legs. So as the iron deposit goes away, the uh, skin gets lighter. It um, becomes more vibrant. So it almost looks like the fountain of youth because the legs l look younger because you start getting the shape of the leg back, the skin texture gets better, skin gets softer, the color of the skin uh, gets better in that it reflects light better so it looks younger and healthier. I mean, this sounds like it has to have a pretty profound impact on quality of life for a lot of individuals. Absolutely. One of the most fascinating thing to me is uh, leg cramps or charley horse. Uh, leg cramps initially happens maybe once in a week, once a month, then it becomes more and more frequent. Then it gets to a point where uh, it wakes the patient up. And then it gets to a point where they have to get up and they stand up a little bit. And then they literally have to walk for the pain to go away. Now, now we're talking about serious business because uh, if you're getting up from a good night's sleep and then have to walk, by the time you make to the you know back to the bed and fall asleep, you know you're really not going to wake up very sharp the next day. You're going to be exhausted. So that's definitely quality of life. And unfortunately, there's this misconception to this day that if you have cramps, uh, either you need to get some mustard or drink some vinegar, or uh, it's because you're dehydrated or your potassium is low and your magnesium. Oh my God, you know you name it. And for some unknown reason, uh, when you have venous insufficiency, uh, the you get cramps at night. And the more significant the disease, the more likelihood it is that they get venous insufficiency. At this stage, I sometimes, you know, when patients come in and look at their legs, look at the ultrasound, and you can almost tell them, you know, that they, they've got to get 
you know, leg cramps. And they tell you, oh, yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, I do drink water, but, you know, I still get it. So leg cramps are very rewarding to me because they just to stop the cramps, you know, then they're gone. Uh, so uh, the um, swelling, uh, when your legs are, you know, 10 pounds heavier than they should be, uh, that even going to affect you the way you walk, the way you move. I had one patient had an ulcer on his leg, so we had to take care of his veins, but he also had a very bad back. So when we took care of his veins and the legs, I asked him how uh, his leg was feeling. He said, I said, are you kidding? He said, even my back pain is better because when I start walking, I'm not carrying you know, 20 pounds on each ankle. Uh, so uh, it helps him with that. It gets him more mobile. So if your legs are not heavy, you can walk more, you can do more, your feet are lighter. Imagine if we take 20 pounds off each leg. Um, the runners can run more, joggers can jog more. They don't get as tired when they walk. They can uh, walk further. So it's your improving circulation. And the thing is, it's so, I hate to use the word easy, but it is, you know, relatively true, uh, easy procedure, outpatient setting, without any cutting, with no pain afterwards, and yet you've got, you feel almost you've got brand new legs. And once you treat these veins, patients get better, and they continue to get better. It usually levels of about six months to a year later, but they, they continue to get better. So uh, cramps, heaviness, restless leg, my God, you know, I mean, that's, uh, I've had patients who say, you know, my husband and my wife is running the marathon all night. And when you took care of the veins, you know, now they're sleeping better. And we all know those visible signs, varicose veins, spider veins, this can certainly have an impact on self-confidence. And, and the a psychological effect. You know, if you're not embarrassed of your legs, you know, you, you have more confidence. You know, maybe maybe you don't mind wearing shorts and, and maybe you don't mind running and, and, and you're not embarrassed showing your legs. Maybe you don't go going swimming uh, or surfing or whatever because you're not worried every time people look at your legs and like, what's going on? You know, what's wrong with this lady's legs? So, or this guy's legs. So, um, yeah, it's psychological benefit, cardiac benefit, uh, you know, from pain point of view, from the swelling, from a functional point of view. It seems to really improve the function of the body as, as a whole. Well, it goes without saying, these are really outstanding sounding results. But I got to ask, what does recovery time look like when it comes to getting your veins treated? How soon can you get back to normal activities? Uh, same day, really. Uh, most people like to wait an extra day. But, um, you know, I had some of our staff who were operating on, they literally just went right back to work. That's incredible. That's definitely really quite is. different from treatment of the past. Oh, absolutely. They would, on average, take about a month off from work. Uh, and because there's no cost, there's no pain, and uh, there's no risk of, you know, wound getting infected or opening up. So it really has made a huge difference into... Uh, you know, management. And because of that, uh, whereas once upon a time we would try to put patients off from having any procedures on their veins, now uh, we find that it is, you know, the risk-benefit factor. Uh, why would you deprive a patient from having a procedure done that you can do it in your office and, you know, anyway from 10, 15 minutes to an hour, they're out of their, uh, you know, out of their procedure. Uh, and they can literally walk out. In fact, we want them to walk out this an hour on the day of procedure. Uh, without any downtime, you know. So why why would you deprive a patient knowing the the risks are so low and the benefits are so high? Now, is it covered by insurance? I insurance companies do actually, and they are more and more insurance companies are covering. I think it all went from they felt that it was just cosmetic to now they're realizing the benefits. 
other doctors are now getting on the bandwagon and, and they're realizing it's really, it, it definitely makes a big difference. Uh, so it's uh, really uh, most insurance companies uh, nowadays cover uh, diseases of the veins. So I'm curious, Dr. Cameron, since accessibility is on the rise and patients are seeing drastic improvements in quality of life with simple in-office procedures in most cases, are you seeing an increase in the number of people seeking vein treatment? I, I certainly do. I, I certainly do. I've noticed people are, you know, trying to seek help earlier. And I, unfortunately, uh, I've noticed most ladies uh, ask for help earlier and most guys wait till the disease is more advanced. If I look at the statistics and literature, you find that the majority of the veins, by the time you come for treatment, the disease is pretty advanced, whereas with ladies, it's not quite as advanced. Now, uh, remember, it's a progressive disease. So some of the changes, like the skin changes, the pigmentation, once you get it, the chances are is not going to fully recover. Whereas if you catch them early, you're avoiding that. Uh, so some of the conditions that you are caused by veins are reversible, but some of them are not. So the longer you wait, the less chance that your leg will ever be totally normal. You know, I'm so glad you said that, Dr. Cameron, because I think in so many cases, a lot of us do wait far too long in some cases uh, when it comes to getting medical treatment or getting things just addressed, getting things evaluated when our quality of life could be significantly altered in a very positive way through um, these modern advancements. And this, of course, isn't just related and reserved to the world of vein treatments. This is in many medical aspects these days. Uh, so it all starts with just finding information, getting access to information, it and uh, getting questions answered. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's always an insightful conversation with you, Dr. Cameron, You know, and, and one you know that I think continues to give hope regarding medical advancements and how folks around the world are able to achieve better quality of life due to these breakthroughs in medical technology. And we're just still in the world of veins. I know as the podcast goes on, it's our goal to certainly showcase so many other amazing medical breakthroughs that are going on and talking with different physicians uh, with their specific specialties as well. But Dr. Cameron, as we continue our conversation related to vein disease specifically in our next episode, I'd like to talk to you more about the specific treatments that exist for vein disease a little bit more. You mentioned some of them earlier in this episode. So from the cosmetic applications to more advanced stages of the disease, I know you've got so much to share. This is a whole topic that we could talk about probably about an hour. And we'll be more than glad to talk about all those techniques going forward. This is the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Visit scarlessveincare.com to view show notes and find more information about topics we discussed in this episode and to listen to other episodes in our multi-part series on vein disease. These include topics like risk factors for developing vein disease, symptoms of vein disease that go beyond cosmetic concerns, when it could be time to see a doctor, and more. We invite you to subscribe to the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast. All you have to do is click the link below for your favorite platform and you'll get instant access to new episodes as soon as they're live. Until next time, I'm Amy Bowen. And I'm Dr. Cabra. And we wish you good health, happiness, and nice living in the meantime. We'll be back soon.